Kia ora, welcome to another episode of Skeezy McDeezy. Um, going to be continuing conspiracy talk. Um, so I'm going to talk about another conspiracy I believe in. Um, and so, so just to get into a little bit about conspiracies, right? Because there's sort of like, there's a connotation um, to the word conspiracy that's like, oh, a conspiracy is um, fucking something sort of made up from whole cloth or whatever. Um, not quite the case. Like, like we're talking, let's get bespoke with our conspiracies here, okay? Let's, let's fucking go back to the OG, okay? So, like, a conspiracy is, like, a secret plan. It's, it's, it's like, it's like a secret plot that only specific people are cognizant or aware of. Um, speaking of fucking conspiracies, I have to go back to my goddamn fucking classroom because I left my headphones in there. Um, so, so, so a conspiracy is a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a secret plot is perhaps a better way to think of it. Um, and so that's, that's what drives fucking people who research conspiracy theories insane. Because if you've got a secret plot, you don't want that becoming, like, open knowledge. You don't want people finding out about your secret plot. So people will generally do all they can to cover up their conspiracies to hide them. Um, sometimes successfully, sometimes unsuccessfully. We, we, we saw this, for example, um, in the waning days of World War II, when Nazis burned all of the documentation relating to the Holocaust. Um, it was a conspiracy. It was a secret plot. The outputs of that plot were pretty fucking obvious. Um, just like a, a reference on that, like the weather patterns in Europe were changed from all the people burned up in the fucking ovens. Um, but the only people who knew the full extent and coverage and targeting and fucking blah 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 of the Holocaust were the people involved in the conspiracy to enact it. So that's what, that's kind of like, those are the conspiracies that interest me, are like conspiracies of movers and shakers to enact fucking awful bullshit. Um, so, so. Back to basics, conspiracies. What's what's like what's the spice? What's the one that I uh, fervently believe in? So, if we look to after World War Two, so one of these can like part of this conspiracy is already like open knowledge, right? Operation Paperclip. So Operation Paperclip was a program led by the United States to basically rehabilitate a whole bunch of Nazis. Um, like, openly, open rehabilitation. Um, it wasn't, uh, like, it wasn't a cozy thing. It was straight up just, um, we want these Nazi scientists, these Nazi generals, um, and these other sort of, like, I guess Nazi theorists and scientists um we want them working for us so most famously you have like um 
Okay, uh, sorry for the quick break there. That was just a huge fucking embarrassment. Um, I, my, my headphones were just in my car the whole time. Um, and I just, I just went and explored and fucking checked out for um, my headphones. And my co-workers were like, the fuck is this guy up to? The ones who were like still doing their meetings and shit. Anyway, so Operation Paperclip. It was like this exercise to take... Um, rocket scientists and so forth basically ignore their war crimes um, and employ them in empowering the United States. Now, this isn't to say the Russians didn't also do this. The USSR also expropriated um, the scientists that it found, although generally the war criminal ones got punished by the USSR. Slightly different um, situations. The United States didn't really suffer at the hands of uh, Nazi Germany, whereas uh, the Soviet Union got turbo fucked. Um, so, so you see a similar thing in China. It's like, yeah, uh, the Chinese, like the, the 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 Japanese scientists that were unfortunate enough to be captured by the Chinese did not fare well. Um, but also, like you know, twenty million Chinese people did not fare well underneath the uh, Japanese invasion. And by not farewell, I mean we're brutally killed. Anyway, moving on from that, there's this interesting and fucking crazy phenomenon. Um, and between the years 1945 and moving to about, I don't know, you can go out to like 1980, right? Where former Nazis, former National Socialists, and I'm not talking about like people from Germany, I am talking about people who actively served as parts, as, 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 as um, expressions of, as members of the National Socialist State, um, were engaged in pro-American, um, pro-American activities post-war now I've yet to see like the closest would probably be the true Anon not Q Anon the true Anon it's a deliberate joke it's cringe I know um, the true Anon did a series called spider network where they basically looked into a lot of these connections but they didn't even delve as deeply as you could um, essentially if you follow Oh shit, been a crash. Um, if you follow the if you follow the, the, the lives of a select group of Nazis post World War Two, you can see some really fucked up, really strange pathways. Um, so like you know, Klaus Barbie, famous, um, but there's a lot more that are a, a little bit more sinister. So they were the ones who ended up getting involved in MK Ultra, and you end up with these really strange situations where um, you have Nazis who experimented on concentration camp victims being given laboratories 
and express permission to conduct human experiments on fucking US soldiers, which is so cucked. That is so cucked. Um, to like, you know, try and develop fucking mind control. This was stuff that was revealed under MK Ultra declassification. Um, you have dozens, dozens of Nazis involved in South American coups. Um, like, the guy who killed Che Guevara was a Nazi. Um, or at least there was a Nazi involved in it. Uh, don't quote me on the history. This is, we, we're reaching into, like, half-remembered history. But, like, a really fun exercise is, like, looking into... If you look into, like, any of the CIA's actions post-World War II, pre-1980, there is a Nazi involved at some level. There's a Nazi involved at some level operating in something. And, like, I say conspiracy. It's not really a conspiracy it's more of sort of like a logical progression because even before even before world war ii the acknowledged foe the acknowledged enemy of the united states of america of the british empire was the soviet union the soviet union was more of a threat more of a foe than Imperial Japan and Nazi Germany. Now, what happened, what sort of, um, oh god, I'm in a fucking traffic jam. This episode's going to be longer um, than I thought. What happened was the Nazis basically got too jumped up. Um, they, if, if, okay, like, this is going to be a hot take, but if Poland didn't exist, if Poland wasn't a country, and Nazi Germany directly bordered the Soviet Union, um, World War II wouldn't have happened. Uh, what would have happened is there would have been a crazy fucking genocidal war between the Soviet Union and uh, the Western world, basically. Um, the, the British... And the Americans had no problems whatsoever with national socialist attitudes towards Jewish people. We can see this through the lead up to World War II. Um, 1933, the second the Nazis get in, they start enacting anti-Jewish laws, anti-Semitic laws. They start enacting um, fascist laws. They start enacting laws that discriminate against communists, against trade unionists. Um, against um, Romani um, they start instituting sexist laws literally United States of America and Britain which were leaders of the free world as it were did not give a flying fuck they did not care it might make like news headlines for a week or something like Kristallnacht was reported on and people were like okay this is pretty fucked vibes um but generally, generally, not an ish. Um, like, it ba basically, it was like the, the we don't care reaction. You know that one, like the, the we don't care. I like, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, we don't care. Um, this extended to like literally refusing to accept refugees um, from impacted 
nations. Um, they wouldn't accept Jewish refugees. They wouldn't accept... They accepted a few German refugees, I guess. Um, like, limited numbers, but generally it was like, nah, fuck them. Um, so that was fun. So they don't care on that front. On the political front, um, literally they're happy to let Nazi Germany have Anschluss with Austria. They're completely fine giving up, like just allowing Germany to um, quote-unquote peacefully annex um, Czechia and create a Slovakian um, puppet state. They're fine with that. They're happy to let um, Germany remilitarize the Rheinland and to take Memel from uh, Lithuania, I think it was. Like, they literally have no problem with this. No problem. The problems are predominantly with um, the economic behavior of Nazi Germany. Nazi Germany operated a system. Um, and you can read about this in Wages of Destruction. Nazi Germany operated a system whereby they basically scammed the fuck out of other countries um, as best they could. Um, they they tried to set up a very favorable import-export balance. Um, they implemented a lot of trade unfriendly laws. Um, they did all the financial manipulation they could to maximize um, the gain of the German state over international business, and that rubbed um, that that rubbed the British and Americans the wrong way. Now, the true tipping point, the moment where they actually um, where things actually got fucked, interestingly enough, um, was in part the non-aggression pact between the Germans and the Russians. When that became common knowledge, when the Germans invaded Poland and the Russians did not give a fuck, and in fact started invading Poland on their own, that was the point where basically the, the British and the French were like, okay, well, our attack dog isn't going to go and fight the Russians like we wanted. Fuck. Okay, guess we've got to put this dog down. Um, that that was that was sort of an inflection point, um, and that's that's a part of why the invasion of Poland was received differently to um, the like invasion of uh, fucking Czechoslovakia, which was just kind of like fine, whatever. Um, there's other elements to it. Obviously, um, like, once they'd started to fight the Nazis, they had to change their, uh, their, their media presence, basically, like, the, the consent that they were manufacturing. They had to change their attitude from, um, oh, um, you know, uh, Nazi Germany is this um, scary fascist government, um, but they're overseas, and it's their own way kind of thing. Or... or you know, even, like, in 1936, like, with the Olympics, there was kind of, like, this fucking greenwashing of them. I guess greenwashing is, like, a modern term, but, like, uh, rehabilitation of them, where it was like, oh, well, you know, 
Obviously, it's not great to be a Jew in Nazi in, in Nazi Germany, but you know, oh, it seems like you know they're a pretty strong state. They're doing well for their people or whatever. I don't know. Um, the politics around the time are kind of weird, and but once they started fighting them, like if you're fighting a war with someone, you can't like ho hum it. So they started talking about how the Nazis are going to kill everyone, they're going to take over the world, they're going to do all this genocidal stuff, uh, and building that propaganda machine. And once that was done, there was no way to peacefully de-escalate the war. This wasn't World War One. It was Nazis go, or you like. Or you surrender. Like, there wasn't a, a, a peaceful option. Um, and yeah, and like, even then, the United States of America didn't get involved until um, shit got real. Um, and we're looking at like fucking um, Pearl Harbor and shit. Like, the whole Japanese thing was a completely but but even actually no it, it reinforces the point it's the same thing with japan america is fine to sit by while japan attacks china that is okay now it's different from um the the european situation because china at the time it was like imperial china and America doesn't want Japan owning China, but Japan's war in China was so disastrous that it was basically just like an ongoing war. As long as Japan was just sort of like feeding young men into a meat grinder, America had no interest getting involved. It was when Japan explicitly made it a war for control of the Pacific that America had to get involved. And even then, even then, well, no, we literally see, like, we're going to see, literally, literally, their only problem was Japan wanting to be the ones in charge of the Pacific. The actual function of their genocidal empire, um, their fascist government, um, all that shit, they were fine with. They didn't give a fuck. It was specifically wanting to be in control. And this is the same thing with Germany. The issue that the British and later Americans had with Germany wasn't their genocidal policies, it wasn't um, the discrimination going on, blah 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 blah. It was explicitly the fact that Germany was making a play for being the continental power, for being the ones in charge. Now, let's just fucking fast forward through the war. And this is where this is where we see the project come to fruition. So, Soviet Union, fucking team carries, it gets Lend-Lease support by, um, fucking the British and, um, the Americans. But, um, okay, I'm going to try and shout at my mate. He's still there. He's putting his daughter in the boot, so I won't shout at him. Um, anyway, right? You get to the end of the war. 
Um, Soviet Union team carry. Um, they didn't have much involvement in the war with Japan. Um, mostly because the Japanese attacked them once and got defeated so thoroughly, um, they basically agreed to a truce there and then. Um, Nazi Germany, absolutely, like, I'm sorry, 100%, um, like 90% of the victory against Nazi Germany can be attributed to the Soviet Union. Um, the, the Allied bombing campaign had some impact, but by the time the Allied bombing campaign was actually seriously going, the war had already been decided. Um, Lend-Lease definitely had an impact, but all the major battles on the Eastern Front had already been fought by the time serious amounts of Lend-Lease started coming through. Um, the landings um, on D-Day and the, um, the war in North Africa and the war in Italy Definitely, once again, they definitely had an impact, but the, the amounts of soldiers committed, the resources committed, and like the amount of damage done to Nazi fighting capacity and eventually occupation of um, like German-held lands, most of that work was done by the Soviet Union. Now, we have this really interesting um, dichotomy between post- war Soviet attitudes or attitude or Soviet attitudes towards the post-war consensus and the American attitude towards the post-war consensus. The Soviets wanted to build the relationship they'd established with the United States. And that's really weird because you know we we're we're used to this like iron curtain imagery of like oh everyone in the Soviet Union got locked in. But they wanted to build collaboration. They wanted to build relationships with the United States. They wanted to develop these exchanges where raw materials from the Soviet Union would be sent to Western countries in exchange for um, more machine tools to build more factories and develop the Soviet economy. But that wasn't the point because the thing was the Soviet Union represented the greatest threat to the lives and livelihoods of the Western elite. Um, because the Soviet Union, flawed as it was, was a blueprint for a powerful, strong nation built on the idea of, you know, of communism, of socialism. Um, and at the time, the Soviet Union was making concrete steps towards realizing that um, in ways that directly threatened um, the, the American way of life, um, you know, fucking the, the imperialism of the West, because even though places like America and the United Kingdom had a higher living standard than the Soviet Union, that living standard was nearly entirely supported by exporting misery overseas, namely to India and Africa and South America. Um, that standard of living was maintained because America and the United Kingdom could e export the miserable parts of their economy to Africa, to India, um, so to get like that basic resource extraction, to get like the basic linen creation at extremely cheap prices, 
to support a service and industry-based economy um, in America, in the United Kingdom, um, of luxury. Like, it was, that was a power they had. The Soviet Union was approaching, it, it never got there, but it approached a level of luxury that the Americans and the British enjoyed while keeping those chains of production within the Soviet Union, which is, it's, it's fucking wild to think about. And we're seeing a similar thing happen in China. China, Chinese living standards are approaching Western living standards while keeping their production lines predominantly within China. Now, China definitely exports a lot of their resource extraction to Africa, to South America, but what we're seeing with um, things like the Belt and Road Initiative is China is making more than the United States an effort to build a reciprocal relationship more than an extractive relationship. Like, obviously, um, still fucked up shit and totalitarian shit is happening, um, but we are seeing a more even exchange um, than the, like, IMF debt slavery uh, that the West relies on um, in their economic relationships. Um, so just, just, just going all the way back, so the Soviet Union's a big threat. Immediately after World War II, both in Japan and Germany, well, the parts of Germany that are occupied by... Um, the United States, France, and Britain, there is a concerted effort to rehabilitate fucking Nazis and Imperial Japanese um, officials into being servants of a war or a conflict with the Soviet Union. This is, this is an immediate process. This is like literally the fucking the ovens at Auschwitz are not cold before this, the, these moves start to be made. Um, like, one of the more blatant examples is South Korea, right? Almost immediately after the war, so Korea as a country was ruled by one of the most ruthless administrations in history, a Japanese administration, and they were kicked out in the dying days of the war by a Korean socialist revolution um, to sort of kick those people out of popular, uh, out of government. There was a, a, an election, a, a, well, maybe not an election, but there was a popular movement to install a socialist government. That got kicked out and replaced with um, Juche um, Kim Il-sung um, socialism in the north, um, supported by the Soviet Union, but very importantly, supported by, not installed by, and a dictatorship installed by the United States of America in South Korea. Now, this government that was installed in South Korea um, they installed a dictator, a South Korean dictator, but the government was the imperial Japanese government the people had just revolted and kicked out. They basically put a new new lick of paint on it and installed um, the old Japanese administration 
in South Korea. Now, here's the insane part, right? They literally, and, and South Korean history teaches this. They don't directly say it one for one, but South Korean history teaches this. They literally got the companies and employees who had built the concentration camps in Germany and Poland to go to South Korea to build infrastructure to support a war against North Korea and an attempt to suborn the North Korean socialist government underneath the South Korean dictatorship. What the fuck? Okay, um, that's, that's enough of that for today.